Mark chapter 5, verse 25, we are in our series of if. Our theme for the year is if. And it's a, uh, an acronym that I like to use. Just simply say, I faith. The faith is a personal responsibility. It's not up to God. Amen. It is our custom that we stand in, in reading of God's word, in honor of the word of God. It's also our custom that after the preaching that uh, we invite people to come to this altar to pray as a response to God's word. And so you're welcome to do that. But if you are a guest here, we'd love to make your acquaintance after the service. Have some coffee and tea and meet with you. Mark 5, 25 to 34, and then we're going to go into 1 John 5 and 4, just one verse. Mark 5 and 25, I know most of you that have been in church any length of time at all would be very familiar with the story, but I want to read it for the sake of those who maybe are not familiar. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? Well, they're wondering, what do you mean? Everybody's touching you. There's a crowd. And he looked around about to see her that has done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, everyone say your faith, has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. 1 John 5 and 4. 1 John 5 and 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Everyone say, our faith. Amen. I want to talk to you today on this simple thought, overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. Not overcoming faith as in to overcome faith, but a faith that will help us to overcome. Let us pray. We want to pray for Sister Louise's family today. Also, uh, Pastor Marfa Bedgood in New Zealand uh, has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And uh, the doctors have uh, not able to give him any kind of treatment. It's at that stage, and so we're believing God to bring healing to him. And also for Sister Arietta, we want to pray for her in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. We ask you that your presence would go to uh, Sister Louise's family at this time of grief and pain. We ask you to bring comfort and consolation to them. Let the peace that surpasses all understanding be upon them even now to give them the strength that they need, Lord, at this time. For Pastor Bedgood, Lord God, we pray for his healing. For Sister Arietta right now, there's nothing too hard for you. You promise, Lord, that you are the healer and that by your stripes we are healed. So let healing virtue flow. Let there be a miracle 
as a testimony to this world of the healing power that's in Jesus' name. So, Lord God, have your way in, this, in their lives today as you recover them. For our hearts today, we ask you to speak to us once again. Lord, let your anointing be upon your people, your servant, God. Let us hear from you. Let our faith rise today, Lord God, and let the living word preach the written word. Let Rima, Lord God, preach, Lord God, the Logos, Lord, and let truth come into our hearts and have your way, I pray, that lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you clap your hands once again and give them thanks. God bless you. You may be seated today. We've looked into this very easy and simple principle, as it were, to understand uh, of what God has given to us. The Bible says the measure of faith. Everyone has been given the measure of faith. And while for some people... A faith is considered a cop-out. In fact, I've spoken to Christian believers who have many questions and doubts, and, and they tell me from the outset of their questions, I don't want you telling me I just got to have faith. That's not enough for me. And I said to them, well, there's a lot of evidences to the existence of God. There's evidence to point to the veracity or the authenticity of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But I said, with all of the evidence, even if you go into a courtroom in dealing with a, a crime, a case of a crime, and they present all of the evidences, even that requires an element of faith to believe. I said, ultimately, with all of the evidence that we are provided, we have to have faith because we serve an invisible God. A God that is uh, not physical, that transcends physical reality. He is a spiritual reality. But I said to this young man who was perplexed and having a, a faith crisis, I said, but don't underestimate the power of faith. While because we are so used to believing and thinking that, that it's just part and parcel of who we are and, and that uh, we have, because we have foolish imaginations sometimes, I said, don't underestimate the value and the power of faith. Because faith is the function of the spirit. It is our connection to the invisible world. And while faith could be something that is so simplistic, yet it is something that is so powerful that can hold a person in the midst of a storm. Amen, amen. amen. Don't underestimate the power of faith. And, and we ought to be thankful to God that he gave us something as simple as faith. Amen. He, he didn't tell us, you, well, you know, in order to get access to God, uh, you've got to climb Mount Everest. That would exclude me straight away. Or, or you've got to climb, this, uh, got to swim across the seven seas. Again, that would exclude me straight away. He didn't say you've got to go win a million dollars. Again, excluded. 
amen, to get access to God. But he gave humanity something so simple and something that is innate within every single one of us to be able to get access to God. He said, all you've got to do is believe. And he that comes to God, come on somebody, I'm already preaching right now. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him for without faith it is impossible to please him amen oh and you know we've talked about the last few weeks that that faith is something you've got to cultivate you can lose faith you can have no faith where jesus is asking where is your faith but you can also have great faith amen and so it's possible you've got to cultivate your faith by being in the right environment and there's no better environment than being in the house of god than being among fellow believers of people that are of like precious faith amen don't underestimate coming to the house of God again because there's power in it oh I've been there many times when I felt discouraged I've been down and low and and I didn't feel like coming to the house of God but when I got my carcass there I got up in the morning when I'd rather sleep in and and put on my Sunday best and I've been battling all week and somehow I get into the presence of God's people the presence of almighty God begins to move oh and all of of a sudden my faith begins to rise oh you got to get in the right environment you got to get out of that place of doubt and unbelief and fear and come into the house of faith where the power of God hallelujah I'm just doing a review of the last few weeks, right? <laughs> a couple of weeks we talked about how, how that uh, you've you got to have, uh, you know, you got, it's not, it's not the, the amount of faith that you have, but it's the quality of faith. You remember that last week? He said, and when the disciples said, increase our faith, Jesus didn't say, okay, here it is. Here's a whole volume of faith. No, he said, all you need, he said, if you have a, a mustard seed faith, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to that sick mine tree and that sycamine tree will begin to untangle its roots it'll be like the transformers it'll start to move and it will be planted in the midst of the sea you don't have to have very much but you just got to have your eyes focused on the lord be be under spiritual authority and obedience hallelujah you don't need a lot but you need to just have faith in god and you got the power in your mouth to speak to your circumstance. And something's got to move. Oh, come on, somebody. You, you're more powerful than you think. You've got more power in your mouth than all of the armies of the world. You are more awesome than you think. If you got faith to believe and you put yourself under spiritual authority, I want you to know you've got a potency. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And so for a very short time today, I'm not going to take very long, but I really feel in the Holy Ghost that God wants to do something powerful in somebody's life today. This little story is an illustration of another aspect of faith that I believe is overcoming faith. Uh, this woman with the issue of blood, there's nothing more tragic than this woman's story. 
For 12 years, she had this blood hemorrhaging, this internal bleeding. Uh, imagine, if you will, if you've never heard this story, just how horrible this circumstance was. This woman, for 12 years, not, not 12 weeks or 12 months, but 12 years, she would suffer waking up in the morning, having to change her sheets every day, change her undergarments every day, the inconvenience that she had to go through. Uh, the pain that, that was associated with this condition, the weakness that she suffered, the color drained from her face, her iron levels would have been depleted, sheer exhaustion from the constant drainage of blood from her system. And there was no blood transfusion back in those days. I remember about 12 months ago when my wife was suffering from something similar, and I know she won't mind me saying this, but, uh, you know, she had the, the lady's problem that normal would experience, but then it went on a little too long. Uh, about a week goes by, and then 10 days go by, and about 12 days go by, and she's still bleeding every day. And I'm just like, well, you know, just kind of just take an aspirin and you'll be okay. <laughs> Dr. Harvey, he's just, uh, just, just sleep and maybe stretch your legs or something like that, you know, do something and... Uh, but I didn't re recognize just how much pain she was in and how little energy that she had until that 12th day. She collapsed in our room and had to get on the phone. Her mom was panicking and get, called the ambulance to come and pick her up. And I never had the ambulance come over my house, but uh, I didn't re realize how bad it was. And so they, they took her and they took her in a hospital and they found the problem and they gave her uh, pints of blood. They had to give her a transfusion uh, because she had lost nearly half of her blood. Is that right? Almost half of her blood. But this woman had it for 12 years. And the Bible says not only, not only was she suffering, but she, not only did she suffer the physical uh, implications of this condition, but she was also suffering from the social implications. Because in Jewish law, in Old Testament law, if you had a bleeding, you were considered ceremonially unclean. And you were virtually ostracized from the rest of the community. Nobody could touch you. Can you imagine if she was married, her husband wouldn't have been able to touch her for 12 years because it would make him unclean. And her children, and so the loneliness and the utter depression, the utter destitution of her circumstance, it would have been terribly unbearable. And, and she had spent all of her money, 12 years of all of her money, she had given over to try and get some cure, some remedy for her condition. And I was reading this recently about what some historians believe could have been some of the remedies, remedies suggested for her condition. One of them was drinking a goblet of wine containing a powder compounded from rubber, alum, and garden crocuses. Mmm, sounds delicious. By the original Coke recipe, I think. Here's another one. Administering a dose of Persian onions cooked in wine with the summons. Arise out of your flow of blood. <laughs> they thought we were superstitious. Creating a sudden shock. Isn't that what they do for the hiccups? Somebody's got the hiccups, you got to scare somebody and it'll be gone. Here's another one. Try this one for size. Carrying the ash of an ostrich's egg in a certain cloth to try and get rid of your issue of blood. No matter what she tried for 12 years and zero money later, she was broken. She was destitute. Her issue continued to persist. In fact, Matthew's version tells us that her condition actually worsened. 
it became worse. Little wonder that this woman would reach out every day, perhaps looking to the skies and to the heavens for some kind of relief, for some kind of hope, and some kind of mercy. And yet she continued on. And then one day the Bible says she had heard about Jesus. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I talk to somebody right now? I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you are persisting in a condition. Maybe it's not even physical. Maybe it's emotional for 12 months or 12 years, and you have suffered under this weight, and you've tried everything. You've looked there, that, and the other, and nothing seems to help you. I want you to know if you can hear my voice, there's a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a power to be found in the gospel and in the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever your circumstance, I've come to give you some good news. Oh, there's a hope for a miracle. It doesn't matter how dark, it doesn't matter how destitute your circumstance or how difficult it is. Maybe the doctors have shaken their head and said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, ma'am, but there's no hope. I've come to tell you there is still hope in the God Almighty, in the King of Kings. Come on, we sang about it earlier. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's hope in God. Oh, hallelujah. I've got to hurry because I promise I'm going to be quick. I better keep my word. So here she is. And I want to use this story as an illustration of what we need. Just two simple points that we need in order for us to have overcoming faith. The Bible tells us that when she, she saw him and he was being thronged by a crowd of people. Now imagine her weakness. Imagine her frailty. And she said, she said, the Bible says she said within herself. Nobody told her. Nobody said, hey, listen, woman, this is what you got to do. She determined within her what she was going to get. She said within herself that if I can touch the hem of his garment, it wasn't very much. She wasn't asking to touch his cloak or his feet or his shoes, but just the edge, the border of his garment. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, she said, I will be made whole. Oh, Here's another aspect of faith that you got to understand is you have the power to determine with your mouth, with your heart, what it is that you're going to get from God. If you say, well, I'm not going to get anything because I prayed last week and the week before and nothing happened and I prayed last year and I had evangelists so-and-so and laid hands and still nothing happened. But you've got the power. Here's faith, the ability to say, when I walk down that aisle and when I get down to the altar when I bring my life before God I know I will be healed hallelujah come on somebody it's up to you what you believe if you think you'll get nothing guess what that's exactly what you'll get but here is faith faith you can determine it's subjective to your will and your desires all in the will of God hallelujah I will be made whole glory to God I like that that old statement that they said they use in, uh, you know, in, in these motivational conferences, they say, you know, if you believe you, you can, you will. If you believe you can't, well, you're right as well. 
They borrow it all from the Bible. She, she determined within herself, if I would just touch the hem of his garment. And so with whatever energy she had left, she had to time it just right. And here, here's what I came to tell you. Is that uh, she said, I mean, the hem of the garment, it, it's, it's a very small area of the clothing. It wasn't like I'll just touch any part of his clothing, any part. No, she said the hem of his garment. And I'm going to show you why. But in order for her to reach that, she had to press through the crowd. And, just, and Jesus was walking. And just at the right time, she had to get the timing right. And she had to keep her eye on that hem. And she had to, here it is, watch this. She had to focus. In order for you to have overcoming faith, you've got to focus your life. Hallelujah. She kept her eye. Amen. That's what they taught me when playing tennis. When you're playing golf, you got to keep your eye on the ball. Don't move. You want to serve good? You got to keep your eye. Don't look at your opponent. You got to keep your eye on the ball. And the thing with faith is, overcoming faith, is you've got to focus your life upon Jesus Christ. He's got to be the centerpiece of your existence. He's got to be your everything and your all. You, you can't have too much of God. He can't be too much in your life. Oh, you know, I, I hear people say, well, you know, young man, don't get so obsessed with this Jesus thing. And, and I hear people and folks say, well, he, all you ever talk about is Jesus in church. And all you ever, you know, can, can you talk? I, I'm sorry. When you know where I've come from and where God delivered me out of, that's all I want to focus my life is upon Jesus. I want my eyes fixed. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the all and the finisher of our faith hallelujah come on we can't be too obsessed with you oh well you know don't take it easy you got to be balanced yeah of course we got to be balanced we got to go to work and we got to take care of the kids make sure they bath and they brush their teeth and and may we got to do what we have to do absolutely but don't get so caught up here's where many christians fail is they lose focus on god and they begin to look at other things other priorities come into place oh but hear me you know it's it's been said i got better slow but it's been said time and again they said oh uh, you can't you don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good have you heard that anybody ever say that can I tell you, I've never met anybody that's so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good, but I believe it's in reverse. I believe that the more heavenly minded you are, the more earthly good you can be. The more your mind, I'm talking about a true and a healthy mind of the heavens. The more your eyes are focused, the more you'll see God working in your life. So you got to focus. Yeah, you remember the story? It was, a, it was a dark and stormy night. Remember hear that? The disciples were on the boat. And this time their, their rabbi wasn't with them. And, and they're frightened for their lives. Now you got to remember most of, these, most of them are experienced fishermen. And they've been in some rough seas. But, but there, there's some storms that, that scared the living daylights out of them. And to make matters worse... All of a sudden, they see this figure walking on the storm, on the water. And I'd be scared too. 
but, but here's Jesus doing what, you know, what we've all tried to do at one stage in our lives. You don't remember in the swimming pool? You said, well, Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. So I'm on the edge of my parents' pool. Now, if I move my feet really fast, maybe I could take two steps on the water. But Jesus started walking. And, and, and the water, and I used to imagine like he'd be walking on water like the water was glass. That somehow the water was placid. It was in the middle of the storm. The waves. And here's Jesus walking on water. And when they finally, the disciples finally recognize it's their teacher, their master. Here's Peter saying, Master, Jesus, bid me to come. Command me to come. And Jesus always says, come on. He'll never say no. If you want to step out of the boat, listen to me. You know, he might have started to fall after a while, but out of the 12 disciples, only one of them began to walk on water. There's only two people here on earth that we know of that ever walked on water. That's Jesus and Peter. Amen. And when he began to walk, just for those few moments, he started walking on the miraculous word of God. But he took his focus off of Jesus and started to look at the storms and the waves and the sea. Not that the waves and the, and the storm wasn't already big, big to begin with. It was already there. And when he began to walk, it was already storming. But he took his eyes off of Jesus and began to look at the circumstances and the problem. And the Bible says he began to sink. Oh, I've come to help somebody today right now. You, you don't need to pay thousands of dollars to go to a conference to hear this. This is for absolutely for free. You give whatever you give to God. That's between you and Jesus. But can I tell you, you've got to maintain your focus on the Lord. Uh, quit looking at stuff on the outside. Quit, quit looking at the things, that, the circumstances of life that doesn't look so good. But become fixated. Let your eyes focus upon the one true living God. Hallelujah. Come on, some you can't be too obsessed. Oh, Paul said, I've got an obsession. He said, I want to know him. I still want to know God. There's still more to God that I don't know. There's still more to him. We take our little cup and we get some water out of the ocean. But can I tell you, there's more water in the ocean than in your little cup. There's more to God. of focus you remember that when you were first born again you wanted to be at every bible study you were at the altar every sunday people think there's something wrong with you because you were always at the altar you remember that they call an outreach and you're there we when we were in the youth when we got saved brother frank you remember this when we got saved we were at church six days a week monday night prayer Tuesday Bible school, Wednesday night church, Thursday night we'd be doing outreach, Friday night we had youth, Saturday night we had cell groups, small groups, and Saturday we were church. And people look at us, you guys are crazy. Is that all you do in your life? Say yes. It's either that or I'd be in the nightclub uh, moving my feet and doing all this stuff and, and where God took me out of from the drugs and the depression and the brokenness and the heartache. 
Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, somebody like me who was so lost, I needed to get engrossed in this thing. I needed to saturate my life with the word. I had people calling me up and say, hey, what are you reading? I had people praying for me. I had people say, come on, we're going to fast together. We're going to seek God together. Listen to me. When you focus on God. And so many people drift away because they lose their focus. They start focusing on other things. Like, like this, this hanky, for example. It could be like, like our problems. But our problems, the size of this hanky, in comparison to, say, the tallest building in, in Sydney, maybe Barangaroo, right? <laughs> it's good that there's no casino there. <laughs> Just thought I'd add that. This is nothing compared to the size of that, that monstrosity. But, but, but if you start focusing on the problem, all of a sudden, if I get the problem this close because I'm focusing on all the time, I won't be able to see the building. You won't be able to see that size. And sometimes we focus so much on our problems and circumstance that it blinds us from being able to see the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to press through and look, and you've got to focus on God, whatever it takes. The Bible says to meditate on his word day and night. We ought to pray day and night. Oh, well, well that, that's too much now. Take it easy. Go and play sport and go play video games. You know, you got to balance it. No, can I tell you, you've got to have your whole heart and being focused on Jesus. Not, not even ministry. Amen. We can get caught up in ministry that we lose our focus and, and church is about ministry and doing stuff. No, it's about him. We got to look to God and into his face. Faith is focus. I, I'm going I'm to try to wrap this up. And the second thing she, she had to do was she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And so when she said that, she couldn't just sit back and say, okay, that was a nice commitment. Bye, Jesus. She had to get up, and she had to put legs on her commitment. She, she made an acknowledgment of faith, but faith is dead. That's what James said. If you don't have works, faith without works is dead. It is not faith if it's just an axiom or a mental ascent in your mind. It's got to be an action. It's not an axiom. It's an axiom. Amen. You all remember that, Action Jackson? you got to be Action Jacksons here today. You've, you've got to put wheels and legs to your commitment and to your faith. And so you've got to do. Here's the other part of overcoming faith is that you've got to act. You've got to do. You've got to behave. You've got to walk. Come on, somebody. If you love God, the Bible says it's not just a mental love. It's not just some emotional feeling. But the Bible says if you love God, you'll obey his commandments. You'll forsake your sin. And you'll start to obey his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Because in that same passage, James says, you believe that there's one God. Good for you. The devils also believe there's one God. So you're no different from the devil if you believe. 
Well, what's the difference between you and the devil, you and I and the devil? We both believe that there's one God. The difference is what we do. We all have lots of grand, grand commitments in our hearts and minds. But faith is dead without action, without works. And so you've got to continue to do. She just pressed forward. She just pressed toward because she made up in her mind. It's not just going to be I'm just going to sit here latent and dormant without any participation. And God's just going to just flop down on my lap and everything's going to be good. No, if you believe it, you've got to do it. Amen. Come on, somebody. We got some of these young men that have been going out on the streets. They've been taking a little, a little uh, a speaker box, a, a little, uh, what you might call it, one of those amps and they're with a microphone and they'd be standing in the streets of Campsie in the city and preaching the gospel to people amen it's it's nice to have the worship in the presence of God here and that's wonderful but can I tell you we've got to put our action our our, our faith into action if we believe it if we believe that God is going to use us and God is going to heal we've got to put our words into action put your money where your mouth is Amen. Sister Tia, she's going up to Newland, boy, we help Brother Dan, Sister Chris. Sister Frida's there right now. Sister Frida, we say hi to you. We miss you. I see the great work that you're doing. But to do is what faith is all about. It's what differentiates us between us and the enemy. The devil did what he did. The Bible says you shall know them by their fruits by their actions, by their behaviors. That's why faith is so powerful because you can do despite your circumstance because you can still live for God despite your feelings and your emotions. That's why faith has to be more than this because this can easily be manipulated. It can easily be, be uh, influenced in a negative way when we're feeling down, when we're upset, we're depressed, and, and we go through all kinds of emotions. And so faith is, it can be easily, if it's just a mental ascent, it can be easily uh, influenced. But when we have faith that we do, despite how I'm feeling, oh, I haven't had a good week, oh, but I'm going to go to the house of God. I can honestly tell you I, I can't Really think right now of anything to praise God for but I'm coming here to worship God I'm coming here to praise I know I don't feel like praying I don't feel like praising because I'm tired and I've had some battles and I think I've lost some battles oh but you can still do you can still act despite how you feel Hallelujah. That's why when the Bible commands us to praise him, to make a joyful noise unto the Lord, to shout unto God with a voice of triumph, it's not contingent. It's not conditional on how you feel or what kind of week you had. That's why when you come in here and you've got no reason to smile, smile anyway. When you come in here and it's been a bad week, worship him. Make a happy, a joyful noise 
Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that what Paul and Silas did? They said, well, we're locked up, but the commandment still stands to pray and to worship him. We're all bound up, but the commandment is still stands. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God, musicians, if you come. Glory to God. Very simple. Very simple. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's lift up our hands and worship God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's thank the Lord right now and worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I, I, I'm just about done. I'm just about done. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, when it's talking about faith, it says Noah being warned of God. Of things not seen, as yet moved, he didn't stay stagnant. He didn't stay, listen to me, nothing ever happens when you're like this, lockjawed. Nothing ever happens just staying in your seat, glued. The Bible says he moved. There was some movement. There was some action. The Bible also says that God, Noah found grace in the sight of God. Noah didn't say, oh, I got grace. So I'm just going to chill, God. No, he said, you got to build an ark. And he says he prepared an ark. He did something. Grace requires of us. People are not automatically by default saved by grace. You've got to give your life to God. You've got to repent, the Bible says. There's action required. There's a doing required. And, and the Bible says if you want to have your sins washed away, you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Mark 16, 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. You, want to, you know how long it took him to build the ark? And the Bible says he was the preacher of righteousness. That means he preached while he's building this monstrosity of a building, a floating zoo. And, and people were walking by and saying, hey, what are you building, man? What are you doing? He said, I'm building an ark to save because God's going to destroy this world. You need to come in. He wasn't a very successful pastor. He only got eight people saved. And you think, well, that wasn't me. No, he was successful because he was faithful. God doesn't judge us on the size of our, our ministry, but on the faithfulness of our ministry. And he prepared the ark. He did something. You know how long it took? 120 years. 
God gave the people of Noah's day a chance to be saved. Don't tell me God's not merciful. Don't tell me God's not gracious. He gave them 120 years to get their life right and still couldn't do it. And if he didn't act, if he didn't build the ark, he would have perished even though he found grace. Listen to me, grace is not enough. You've got to be obedient to the commands of God. And I promise you, maybe his three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, had to help dad come home from school, working on that ark every day, hammering and building. They didn't have power saws. They didn't have drills for 120 years. I said, oh, dad, come on. We could be doing something else. We'll go play touch or something. Go play video. I, I promise you that when that door of the ark closed and the first pitter-patter of rain began to, to fall upon the roof of that ark, I promise you not one of his sons would have said, oh, I regret not playing more, going out more, not, and no, I believe, so thank God. Thank God we were faithful. We got busy every day. And I, I'm going to close with this, I promise. I'm sorry, they're getting tired up there. So uh, this is my third and final closing. I have three usually. When she reached out to him, the Bible says virtue flowed from him, and he didn't even know, Jesus didn't even know who was he turned around and asked his disciples who who touched me and they're like scratching their heads wondering what do you mean who touched you everybody's touching you they didn't say that i'm just using creative license he said no there, this is a different kind of touch there's the there's the crowd that comes maybe you came in here to get a touch from jesus but there's somebody here who wants to touch jesus To receive the power. Hallelujah. And he turned around and she began, she was fearing and trembling. But she knew something happened on the inside of her. She said she knew that the plague had stopped. And he, she told him the story. And you know what he said to her? He says, daughter, be of good cheer. He didn't say, he didn't say, my power has made you whole. He didn't say, my virtue has made you whole. He didn't even say, my promises to heal has made you whole. You know what he said? He said, your faith. It's your faith that's made you whole. It's not, it's not, I mean, yeah, we know it's the power of God. But could it be our faith has the power to unlock the promise? Come on, somebody. If you need something from the Lord right now, you've got this thing called faith in you. And He can heal you. He can set you free. Lift your hands right now to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, Father, we come before you. Lord God, we believe. We have faith, Lord God, not only in our hearts and minds, but with our actions, in our behavior, with what we do. Lord God, right now I pray that you would begin to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. That healing virtue would begin to flow as our faith would rise and take a hold of your power and your promise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Your faith can make you whole in Jesus' name. I've got to stop. But I believe God wants to do something. And so if you've got faith in action, 
I want you to act out your faith by coming out of the old, your seats and find a place at this altar. Whatever your need might be, if you need healing in your body, you need to make yourself right with God. You need to be committed to God. If you need the Holy Ghost and repentance, turn your life over to Him. Maybe it's time to focus your whole being, every part of who you are, focus upon God. Hallelujah. You're not just who you are because you think it, but what you do is a manifestation of your faith. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Precious Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Strength like no 